Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Okay. You guys can come on up. Um, We are in a uh, sermon series we've done most most years in August uh, called Where is God When Life Happens? And um, just looking at some practical ways that God's at work in people's lives. And um, for those of you that are newer to Oak City Church uh, or brand new, this is Kendall Quinn and Lisa Quinn. And they were part of Oak City Church and still are in a lot of ways, but have been in Portugal for a couple of years. And this was their first chance to um, to get back, and so uh, I wanted, wanted to have them talk about ways that God has, um, has been at work. And in a lot of ways, like, Kendall and Lisa showed up in early 2007, right after we'd started the church. Kendall had a co-worker who um, was playing on the worship team at the time, and Kendall is, is if you were here, was it last week, a cellist, uh, and um, and so he got engaged um, in that way. And, and really one of the first families that showed up and God has done a lot uh, through the church in their lives. And just a picture of the power of how God can work through the church. So you guys can thank Gabe after service because it's pretty much his fault. It's all Gabe. Okay. So why don't we start just to, to recap a little bit of... And, and we're, we're not going to go through all that, but just to give people an idea of where you were in 2007, and really, like, there's some markers, because it was early 2007, and then we're going to get to January 2017, which is where the Portugal thing, in a, in a sense, kind of, there's a big turning point with that. So, where, what, where were you guys in 2007, just in life, and what was God doing, and, and then how did things, how did God use the church to bring about change? Um, all right, so... Maybe if we just backed it up just a little bit, you know, to where we, you know, we got married in 05, um, and we didn't have a spiritual backing. We didn't have a foundation there, right? She grew up Catholic. I grew up Methodist, and we kind of hopped around a little bit. We didn't have any kind of, I mean, we just, we lived life as we wanted to live life for our first year, and that wasn't really good. And then God called both of us to start searching for churches, right? And so we did, and through that encounter when Aaron Chapel had his guitars um, at work and introducing us and inviting us to the church. Um, you know, we, we visited then Visio Day, and I think you guys were about six months in from the church plant. <clears throat> and we, um, yeah, we've been going ever since. Um, but our life was not filled, we were lacking quite a bit from a spiritual perspective. And that was what God really laid on our hearts back then, was to start searching and to start, you know, finding that peace and and, um, and start working on that. Yeah. I mean, you guys got baptized a few years in. You guys got... Yeah, it was an Easter Sunday, and I wish I knew the year or remembered the year, uh, but I remember Leanne I have it got, written down so far. Yeah, Leanne got baptized as well. I know it's terrible. Usually people, it was January 20th, 2018. Yeah. I don't have that date. But you came to understand the gospel then and salvation and what Jesus has done for you and why that meant anything. And one of, my, one of several stories 
um, is that Lisa is, Lisa is the only person that I ever had to be like, I had to, in baptism, just kind of say, hey, because um, she resisted it. I'm like, you have to let your head go down under the water. It doesn't count as a baptism. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I grew up Catholic, um, but really, even though I grew up Catholic, went to Catholic school my entire education, it wasn't until Visio Day that I heard the gospel, like, um, yeah, the gospel. So we, we both decided to get, I had already been baptized as a baby, not to, you know, my own choice, but I had been baptized, but we decided, I think it was about 2012, and it definitely was Easter, but um, I have some control issues still. God's definitely working on those in taking me out to a different country where I had no control over pretty much anything, but I often... It's a feedback. I do think often about when Jeff had to basically whisper in my ear, like, you need to let me put your head under the water. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still, still struggling with, with that part. Yeah. There's another story that I was thinking about that is is um, when when you had Regan, I think it was, and you had some, you didn't, you weren't sure you were going to be able to walk again, and you later said, I didn't, I knew it was really bad when Jeff came and visited me, and he he gave me a hug before he left, yeah. which was part of the chronicle of me not hugging people well, <laughs> which I think I've grown a lot in, I've gotten a lot better in, but it was one of the milestones in that thing, and you guys over that ten years got super involved here, I mean, you you poured a lot of time and energy into here, and you led. The, um, when the family, the yeah, it was children's ministry, and went into when and playing music, and yeah, I mean, it was really cool to see how God worked in us, you know, to like really expose our spiritual gifts for the betterment of the kingdom, to glorify Him, and to you know have hopefully people benefit from that in a way, you know, kind of working in us and through us, right, and then making sure that we utilize those because. One, we didn't really know what a spiritual gift was before we joined <laughs> Visio Day, you know, but then to identify those and then to use those for God's work and to, you know, glorify God's kingdom, you know, that gave us the ability. Oak City was where we kind of did that, right? Yeah, and your, um, and your um, job, like God worked a ton in your life, you know. I mean, you ended up, you ended up teaching the Dave Ramsey thing, you know, and, and that shaped your life in a lot of ways. And... Um, just your job journey over that time of going, your job being an idol, basically, and a means of making money to be in a way that you really serve the Lord. And all that stuff is just huge. God worked in huge, huge ways during that time. Now, we get to January of 2017. God has worked in a lot of ways. It's been 10 years. You guys are in a pretty good spot in January 2017, right? Yeah, I think a little bit later down in 2017 was probably where things were in a really good spot. But yeah. Yeah, Rosalie's here. She referred me to uh, Cisco. I started working at Cisco in January 2017. We worked prior to in Surety Systems. That's how we met. Um, and she was like, yeah, you need to come check it out. I was like, no, I'm definitely not going there. I'm not trying to go to RTP every day, commute this, that, you know, back and forth. But, yeah, got the job, and that's where, yeah. You guys are living in Wendell. You love your neighborhood. You have a great little neighborhood. Um, you're on your way to paying off your house. Uh, just in a, in a good spot. And Kendall goes to work. It may not have been that morning, but before he goes to work at, at Cisco, you say... I, I, I said, Kendall, just 
just so you you're you know when we're on the same page I'm not moving anywhere for your job <laughs> so and and he, he was like oh I mean okay I mean there's you know plenty of plenty of work in in you know Cisco RTP we we might not have to cross that bridge at all but I hear um, you she was very clear <laughs> very clear we are not moving for your job and all of heaven listened in and said what'd she say <laughs> apparently and it wasn't immediate but over that's part of the story is that over the next two you guys were in a really comfortable spot and as we as we're talking about it you know this past week like maybe a rut yeah I mean really from there from all you know if you were to look in it was a great spot I mean we we did you know have our house paid off we loved our neighborhood we loved the um, where our kids went to school, we loved their friends, you know, we loved our church. So we had no reason to, to move. I mean, we had great jobs. I had been at my job for, at that point, like 14 years. Kendall was really happy at Cisco. So there was none of the major reasons why people sometimes move. There was none of them, you know, none of them were there. But, but if God started to, like, communicate in, like, you didn't open the Bible one morning and say, you're supposed to move to Portugal, right? But in various ways, he communicated to both of you, something was up. Yeah, we, um, it was very subtle, and it kind of did happen all at once, even though it was super subtle. Um, I just remember being sort of like a, the anticlimactic lead up to, you know, paying our house off, which to all of our friends who have done Dave Ramsey, that's like a big deal, right? And you're supposed to get some sort of like, maybe fulfillment. I don't know what I was expecting to feel, but I know I wasn't expecting to feel almost immediately, like less than 24 hours later that it was temporary. And that, well, it's paid off, but it's not really ours. And I don't think we're staying here. Yeah, the feeling that we were expecting was totally different than what we got because it was a Friday when, you know, we made this, what we thought was going to be monumental change where it's like, wow, this is going to be really, you know, permanent. This is, this is exciting. And then Saturday morning we both woke up, we had breakfast, I'll never forget. And she was like, yeah, this just feels really temporary, you know? And I was like, yeah, it totally feels the opposite of what I thought it was going to feel like. And that was God working in us, you know, in two separate angles, but in the same light saying, prepare, like get ready. And that's what we kept hearing is just get ready. Now, now, you know, this, this doesn't mean that you're staying here. This means you're leaving. And that was the feeling that we got a day after we, you know, we did that. How did you feel about that? Maybe the same way I felt when you were trying to push my head underwater. <laughs> 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 like, uh, there's so many things from, you know, starting with, starting at, you know, Vizio Day, and then when Regan was born, where I kept having to give up the, the control I felt like I had. Like, my personality is just one that kind of likes to feel like I maybe have a say in some things. And, um, yeah, so, like that. Like, scary, but, um, I mean, willing, willing to do it, though. So, you know, very scared, but very open. Uh, and how did it become Portugal? question we didn't really talk about this Jeff I got to think about that one <clears throat> no I mean for some reason you know I was like six to eight weeks into a new role at work 
and I, I remember telling my boss as I was coming out of a one-on-one, -on -one, and I mean, I just started with her like two months prior. And I was like, hey, I'm interested in moving to Europe. And I don't really know where that came from. I mean, I've always been interested in moving to Europe, certainly didn't think it was gonna be with a family of five, but you know, when I was younger and having, to tra having traveled to Europe and things like that, I was like, man, that would be really cool to live there. And then I, you know, here I am working for, you know, a large multinational company, you know, and maybe there's the option to do that. And she kind of looked at me, she's like, yeah, well, let's table that discussion for another 12 months or so, you know, let's kind of laughed at me, you know, like, that's funny, why would you say that right now? Um, but no, it wasn't maybe a month two later that um, Amsterdam came up and I was interviewing for a position in Amsterdam after we had just gone to Barcelona, Lisa met me in Barcelona. It was for work, you know, it was for work, but then we, we met later. And that was her first taste of, of Europe. She had never been to Europe, you know, so we were in Barcelona, she was really enjoying it. And so we come back and then there's this opportunity for Amsterdam and that didn't happen. And two weeks later, you know, we kind of put that to bed, didn't work out. The VP in Emir reached out to the VP in uh, America saying, hey, is Kendall still interested in moving to Europe? There's a position that we think, you know, he might be able to get and it's probably gonna be based in Portugal. And so that's a very high level kind of summary of how that went down and Portugal came about. Full disclosure, when they said Lisbon, I was like, I'm not moving to Ohio. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, much more geographically mature than what I was two years ago. Did you really think that? I mean, Lisbon, I'm like, Lisbon, what? I mean, it's funny because Portugal, I mean, you talk about Portugal, people think you're in Puerto Rico or like, you know, you're, you live in the Caribbean or something. It's like if you're you talking about America. Wisconsin, they think you're near Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. In the dictionary, maybe. Um, it's not easy to move to Portugal, it turns out. Yeah, so that begun the process, right? Of um, that, was, um, that was July 2019, and in August we had to begin the paperwork, you know, and here I am, here I am looking at this contract saying you're going to have to work European hours while you, you know, get your paperwork together. So that meant 3 a.m. to 1 p.m. here starting a brand new team. I've got a new team in Amir. I'm working here in the States. I'm trying to get all the paperwork ready, putting our house in the market. We're selling everything we own. We're selling the cars. We're selling the house. We're selling all of its contents. We're having to do that. I'm having to go to scouting trips in Portugal, you know, three weeks out of a month. And, you know, the kids are, <laughs> we're trying to give them some level of normalcy, you know, of uh, Regan's going into sixth grade. So now she's an explorer. It's a brand new school. She doesn't have any friends. She's meeting new friends. She loves the place. She doesn't want to leave the place, you know. We have our other two daughters going to, to, to school and we're trying to try to, you know, we're trying to keep them just as, keep their lives as smooth as possible, but all of these, you know, all this paperwork and having to get apostille documents from all over the place. By the way, don't ever get married in a different country if you ever want to move out of your home country. That was fun. We got married in Jamaica and we had to get three or four attempts back and forth to Kingston from here to try to get the right apostille that, you know, Portugal, the Portugal consulate's gonna approve. Yes, you are married. There's just so many different things. That's one of many examples. It was just, that was a lot. That and was, you, uh, you had the, the, the metaphor of the, or the analogy of a squirrel crossing the street, like at some point during that process. Yeah, I mean, I think Kendall was, um, it was a lot of work on both of us in different ways. We were kind of each tackling our own big to-do lists and trying to figure that out. And Kendall at one point, like standing in the kitchen by our, um, where our washer dryer was, and you kind of just had to like, why are, like, maybe we should just not be doing this. Like, it just seems really difficult. And like, what are we really doing? Like, why are we doing this? And it can, it kind of felt like that for a little while. And so finally, there's tons of squirrels in Wendell. By the way, there's not a lot in Europe, which is really weird. But um, so I just remember, you know, if, 
squirrels will kind of like run out, but then they stop and then they decide they're going to go back, but then maybe they don't want to go back. And then so they kind of do this back and forth thing. And it's like the squirrel who can't make up its mind is the one that gets hit by the car. And so I felt like that's how we <laughs> I felt like that's how we were at first a little bit, like not quite making it all the way across the road, like trying to turn around and go back. And finally, I just said, I'm like, we just have to we just have to go. We just have to, to be like the squirrel and get yeah. to the other side. All right, so you get there. Tell us about your first night in, or your first day in uh, Portugal. I think it's better from your lens. <laughs> yeah, so it's December 8th. We had been traveling all night, right? Um, and we, we arrive at 545 in Lisbon. And, you know, it's all going to be great, girls. You're going to love this place. It's fantastic. It's paradise on earth. It's beautiful. And, you know, I'm just talking it up. But... The rainy season is, you know, like November to, say, February. And so we get in, you know, we arrive. I've got a van. I, I rented a van because we had, a, like, 11 suitcases plus us and literally could not fit anything else in that van. And so we had all day. I was like, all right, well, you know, we got through customs. It's probably 7, 7.30. And we have no idea, like, what to do. It's like, all right, here you go. And you don't speak the language and you don't know anything else other than the three weeks you spent there by yourself. Uh, a few months prior and so well let's go let's go find you know what we put a contract on a house let's go let's go look at the house real quick girls you know and it's raining it's it's foggy you can't look I mean you can't even see your hand I mean it's probably an exaggeration but you know it's like just you could it was just a terrible terrible entrance um and so we we go to the house we're like okay that's great but it's raining we can't stand out here any longer let's let's you know what I'll take you to my favorite beach it's 10 minutes away we'll go to Carcavelos go to Carcavelos and you can park and you can just see the see the ocean but it was so foggy that you couldn't even see the sand and so we're just staring at this foggy mist and like man this like strike two you know like all right well you know what we've got another couple of hours actually we can't even check into our near B&B until three but it's Sunday and church is just down the road so let's come on girls let's go to church we're going to go to church we've been traveling like 15 hours collective size I hate to say we were all like I was definitely outnumbered. You want us to do what? Like yeah. we didn't sleep on the plane. Like we're. But now hungry. Kendall had scouted this church out. Yeah. Yeah, I'd talked with the elders. I'd sent emails going back and forth. You know, I was interested. We need to find a home. I mean, that was a big priority of mine before we like we have to find a church. I think we had the church figured out before our housing. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't just like picking a church because it'd probably be hard just to pick a church. It's not like there's a church on every corner. Don't have a lot of choices. There's not not anything but a Catholic church on every corner, and just for, just it's a great church from, um, from everything that I understand. And this is a plug for church everywhere. <laughs> church, God Church was a great idea. You can go anywhere, almost anywhere, and you're going to find you you can find a great church. And it's been a huge part of, of your story. So you go that morning. <laughs> You duck in the back. I'll take over. Just kinda, you just kind of hide back there. No one knows you're there. Yeah, so he finally convinces us. We stop for a quick breakfast. Breakfast is not a thing in, in Portugal where we were really, so it's like a little cup of coffee and like a pastry, which, you know, anyway. So we get to church, and the whole time we're like kind of kicking and screaming, or at least I am, and he's like, we'll just sit in the back. Like, it's not a big deal. We can't do anything anyway. We'll just sit in the back, go in quietly, no big deal. Well, I didn't know that this particular church, it's Riverside, um, it's an international church, and they have lots of people coming and going and visitors. And so one thing that they do every morning is ask for the new people to please raise your hands. And so I, like, 
darted Kendall. So, you know, they, they, they asked that, and I, like, dart Kendall a look. But, of course, he doesn't look back at me. I was like, don't you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. And Regan's passed out. She's, like, laying over us to sleep. And, yeah, so I raise my hand. and Where are you from, Pastor Eddie says. And, you know, I have to get up and say we're from North Carolina. Like, then he ties back, like, emails, and so he kind of hangs on to us for a little bit. And, and Lisa's just not happy. Um, um, Kendall was, they got there December 8th, 9th, and by Christmas Eve, Kendall was playing the cello for their Christmas Eve service. So, which I was super happy about that you guys found someplace and got plugged in. It has been a, been a huge part of the story. Those first few months were nothing was easy, right? Tell me about the Thursday night when you almost had a family revolt. Maybe Regan should come tell this one. <laughs> no, so uh, this was, of course, pre-COVID. So uh, we had a little bit of time pre- before COVID. So Kendall was actually going into the office. And so it was me and the three girls in a country where we can't speak the language, um, everything was difficult. I mean, even though driving is on the same side of the road, that was all diffi- different and difficult. Um, we had, you know, many days of trying to get them enrolled in school, in trying to turn our water on, in trying to get internet set up. And there's no, you know, for English, press one. You just have to figure out, like, which button to press. Um, so it was just every day was difficult. So I don't know, you know. Things here were on autopilot. Again, it was super easy. I had been at the same job for so long. You know, our kids were plugged in. I mean, everything was really on autopilot, so much so that sometimes I would get someplace in the car and almost say, I don't really remember the drive here. You know, like everything was just easy. Uh, And then everything was hard. But Kendall was loving his job, and he was definitely, um, like, finding a groove a lot faster than us. And it was really difficult for me to also not be working. You know, so I completely... I guess, lost my identity for a while. I mean, I couldn't help my kids in school. I didn't have a job. It was difficult even to go to the grocery store. So, like, anything that I could do before, I couldn't do easily there. So I just felt sort of lost. And, um, you know, it's, it is beautiful there. So it is like living in paradise. So it's also it's kind of hard to get past that. But I remember we were kind of all in a grummy, grumpy mood. And Kendall comes home from work, and he's trying to, like, be upbeat and kind of talk to us about our day. And... I remember saying something, I don't remember what led to his comment, but he, this caused probably one of our worst fights. <laughs> but he, he's like, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the problem. Like, you know, get a book, like go down to the beach and like read a book, which sounds delightful to read a book, you know, in South Europe, but I didn't really like that comment. And, and my eye blew up at him and then the girls just started wailing about all the things that they weren't happy about and I think we caught Kendall slightly off guard yeah I mean I'm in this whole like everything is awesome this is fantastic I'm loving living here and you know I was probably maybe painting a bit too much of a glorious picture you know and it wasn't Um, and there was you know just like you were saying the most mundane of tasks in a in an unfamiliar world I remember I was asking there was a, so I was driving a diesel car, and I could not find a place to, f- like, where do I get diesel? I mean, there's tons of diesel cars in Europe. Why can I not find I would literally go to different gas stations. And there was, you know, you've got pumps, and it's gasolina, or there's gasoyao. Gasolina or gasoyao. None of which sound anywhere remotely close to diesel, right? And I'm scared I'm going to mess the, the engine up. I'm like, man, what, where's the diesel? You know, and I'm asking the people that were buying the house from, like, can we, like, where do I go to get diesel? 
you know, and I literally would hop different stations. Turns out gas is diesel. So got that one right. You know, but like even ATM machines, you know, you want to withdraw something, you know, withdraw money, put money in whatever you want to do, but you can do so many other things with an ATM machine there. Like there's at least eight or nine prompts and you don't even know what withdraw, like how do I get money out? So you, you don't think about the, just the mo most mundane of tasks of which that's what Lisa was kind of focused on, let alone the fact we're trying to get, like you said, electricity turned on, gas turned on, get the kids enrolled in school. What, are the, what kind of paperwork do we need? Go to the embassy. Embassy is not going to do anything with the schools. And so just, you know, being told different things, going all over the place, that was the frustration that they're dealing with. And then they just blew up on me that Thursday night at dinner. And it didn't help that we had what we thought was a, just a fantastic idea. We're just going to bring a piece of our home you know, and Lisa went and made a pillow, had a pillow made kind of like, I don't know, through one of these, yeah, you know, yeah, snapfish, shutterfly, whatever they are, had a nice pillow, you know, had the, 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 the coordinates of where the house is, Wendell's got the house picture on this, you know, this pillow that's just staring at us at the couch, you know, on the couch. And then all of a sudden everybody starts crying and they just want to go back to the house, you know, and then Cora didn't even know why she's crying. She's four years old. She wants to go back to the house too. She wants to do everything that her, you know, older sisters are doing, which is just, you know, everything from wanting to slap me and bawling all over the place. And I'm just like, what, what did I do? What happened to the pillow? So we hid it for a while, like turned it around and put it on a shelf in Kendall's office. And, and, and now, actually, I can look at it, and actually, now I'm kind of like, well, that was kind of a silly thing to do, you know, like, but I really did love my neighborhood and my house, but it's not my house anymore, and, and, and I'm okay with that now. Um, okay, sorry. Did you send me the Quinn baptisms? Wow. Okay. Well, Thank you, impressive. Shannon. That's awesome. Uh, so well done. Um, I don't know how to get that up there. Uh, we, um, and in the other day, you, you went through the stages of grief yeah. and said that's an, ad an accurate description of what you guys went through. And you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, for yeah, for sure. I mean, something that we learned in nursing school and probably a lot of, like, psychology classes or whatever, but um, I couldn't place my feeling. Like, it was homesick, but it was more than homesick. It was really, like, grieving that whole stage of life. Um, yeah, definitely grieving. Um, and you, you are, we talked about this a bit the other day, like there's plenty of times in the Bible where God calls people to stuff, but they're never quite sure why, you know? So you don't now a year and nine months, right? Is that about it? A year and nine months since you moved? Um, you are not crystal clear on why you're in Portugal. Are you like... I still What's, have no what idea. What would something, a step down from Crystal be clear? Are you clear at all? Um, I'm not clear. I, I really still don't know why we're there, but there have been plenty of people and events that have happened that have confirmed that we are where we're supposed to be. So I, I, I still am really unsure what brought us there or why we're there, but I know that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Maybe we start with Pedro. Yeah, so <clears throat> quick story on Pedro. So Pedro is just a fantastic man. Um, so our, our church is about 25, 30 minutes west of our house. And that's, um, that's a really, really long way for 
Portugal to drive like 10, 15 minutes. And I kind of got stuck in that too. I'm, that's where I'm at now where it was like, come on, you know, I drive an hour and a half to go to work one way. Um, but now I'm like, man, 15 minutes. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to do that kind of drive. That's a little ridiculous. Um, so anyway, 25, 30 minutes is really a long way. Um, and, and to find, so we have 28 nationalities represented within our church. And they're all coming from all over, you know, south of the bridge, which is just south of Lisbon, north, Mafra, and all that. So there are people that travel upwards of, say, 45 minutes or so to get to the church. I say all that to say the week before COVID, um, you know, lockdown happened, I heard Tom, one of the elders, talking to this guy, Pedro, who had just got done playing the keys for worship. And he's like, oh, you're from Kajish. He's like, okay. And as I was walking up, he's like, well, there's another family that's from Kajish. And, um, oh, there's Kendall. All right. Let me introduce you to Tom. Or let, let, uh, let me introduce you to Pedro. And so I'm like, wait, there's, there's somebody else from Kajish. Like, that's just unheard of. You know, that's, that's, that's crazy. I've never met anybody else from Kajish outside of Kajish. He's like, yeah, I'm in Kajish. And I was like, well, we should get together. We should go for a walk. I don't think we'd ever actually met anyone from Kajish, period. We were still pretty new. Yeah. Um, so it was just, that was the first guy. Yep. It's pretty fantastic. You know, it's this great news. And we're 30 minutes away from the house, which is, you know, the equivalent of being in like Pittsburgh from here or something um, or further. Anyway, um, so we got to talking and he's like, yeah, we should get together. And turns out he's two blocks away from us, literally less than a five minute walk. And we're just having a walk. And I was like, man, you sound really good on the keys. And I kind of saying, kind of said, hey, you know, I'm a musician as well. He's like, oh, what do you play? Um, I said, I got to play the cello. And he said, wow. He's like, that's awesome. It's a, it's a beautiful instrument. I actually have one in the basement, but I can't play it. So you're welcome to have it. And he bought just, a cello? He has a slew of instruments, including a, a proper eight-foot grand piano in his basement. Um, but he just loves instruments, and he can only play the keys. And he's like one of those super humble, modest guys. Like, I don't know. I can't really get that. I can't really play that. But then it's just it's magic whenever he puts his fingers on the on the keys, you know, it's like, oh no, I can't, I can't really play that well. But he's, you know, you go downstairs, he's got a drum kit, he's got a grand piano, he's got several keyboards, he's got a bass, several bass guitars, acoustic, electric, and then there's this cello. He just likes the sound of it, but he can't play it. So here you go, have a cello. And he, he is a Christian. Yes. And he made a, he made a specific comment to you. Yeah, he's just so, like, he would always, in the beginning, and he still does, you know, we still go on afternoon walks together, and he's just, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that your family's here. So thankful. And he's like, we need more evangelical Christians in Portugal. And so, like, he's genuinely, like, he just pours into us. Yeah, I mean, he's taken our family kind of under his wing. Like, he, he feels like it's his mission almost to protect us. Um, you know, Cora broke her arm, and we, I hadn't had to deal with a hospital you know, visit since I'd been there. And so we called him just to ask like, hey, we know that there's like a children's hospital, like one that we should go to. Can you just kind of give us some guidance? And I mean, he was like hanging up the phone. I'm on my way to you. He was going to pick us up and bring us himself to the hospital just to make sure we didn't have any troubles. And, you know, we were like, no, Pedro's fine. It's fine. Like we, we need to do this at some point. So, and um, then his wife called ahead to like let the emergency room know that this American family was coming and kind of like tried to pre-register us and everything. So uh, that's one of many, many stories of him and other uh, people, friends that have been put in our way that 
I mean, that's just how we know that I mean, we're supposed to supposed to be there. Is this a way of God saying, I've got you. You know, I have you exactly where I want you, and I'm going to put. Yeah, here's a guy two blocks yeah. away, and he's got a cello. Got that taken care of for you. Um, an evangelical Christian in the United States is, is almost more of a political term at this point that we shy away from, but there it's not. I mean, it's, it's probably a way to distinguish from Catholic. And Catholic there is probably a little bit more like Northern Catholic here, or just a cultural yeah. thing, but not really a... Yeah, everybody's Catholic because their parents were Catholic, their grandparents were Catholic, and that's just what they do, and they, you know, go through the sacraments and, you know, baptize their children and do that, but they don't, this is a generalization, I'm sure there's some that do, but, you know, they, they kind of go to church, maybe hit the major holidays, and, and maybe that's about it. Don't share. They're not really following Jesus. No. Yeah. And the percentage of people that are following Jesus, and evangelical maybe should mean, like, folks that believe in the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ and uh, the authority of Scripture and, like, try and center their life around the gospel uh, is small in Portugal. And so when he says, I'm really glad there's, we need more evangelicals in Portugal. You said there's a lot of Brazilians actually, and like that's a big influence for the church yeah. in Portugal. Yeah, I think, I think the Brazilians that come, on, uh, come to, to Portugal, I think are largely the reason why Christianity, Christianity as we know it is, is the way it is. Um, but in our them, terms, it might be post-Christian. Yeah, yeah. Aside from the cultural just a small minority of folks. Um, tell, talk about Bruno. So I met Bruno. Um, Bruno's one of my colleagues at work, and I met him through my boss in August prior to our leaving, so what, August 2019, um, in Vegas. And, you know, he's Portuguese. He's obviously lives in Portugal, and he found out that I'm moving, and he wanted to help me out, and he was kind of giving me an idea of on a map where I want to search for houses and things like that. Long story short, it turns out that um, we moved about five minutes away from his house unknowingly. Um, but he and his wife and two daughters just completely took us, you know, under their wing when we got there because we're, what, three weeks away from Christmas. You know, it's holiday season, and we are hopping Airbnbs. We don't have a place to, to live. We had to go to a couple of Airbnbs. Poor Cora thought we were on vacation. She keeps asking, when are we going back home? Like, no, this is our home. That was pretty difficult, but now she refers to Portugal as home, which is encouraging. Um, but anyway, he said, you know what? Why don't you come over for Christmas? Why don't, you know, why didn't your family come over for Christmas? And that's unheard of um, for a Portuguese family to um, invite you into their home, period. But to invite you into their home in you know a very intimate setting, which Christmas is for families, and you know it's just a very, I mean, much more so than I would say in the states. Like it is, it's sacred time with the family, and it was Christmas Eve. I was just getting done playing. Tom again, I was talking with him, and he's like, "So, do you have any plans for Christmas?" And I was like, "Yeah, we're actually getting ready to head over to a, um, some friends of ours, and we're going to have Christmas over at their house." And he kind of looked at me. He was just like. Friends, like, so from work? And I'm like, yeah. And he said, so are they Portuguese? And I'm like, yeah, it's a Portuguese family. And he's like, wow, do you, do you understand how, like, that's, that's big, that's major. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, man, they don't let you in, your ho in, in their house if you're not family. Like, they, they truly believe that you are family if, if you are going, you know, going into their house. Anyway, we went and, you know, grandparents, uncles, aunts, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And we didn't... Uh 
I don't think we actually knew that going into yeah. it. I, I mean, we, we didn't really know that. We had heard, and I did know that, uh, I mean, the Portuguese are awesome. They're super welcoming. They will help you with anything. But again, to break into kind of like their inner, you know, friends slash family group, um, especially the nuclear family group, it would, it's super difficult. And they'll, they, they kind of keep you as sweet and welcoming as they are. They keep you a little bit at arm's length when it comes to that. So we're there for Christmas Eve. And I mean, it's an insane spread. I mean, the amount of food and, you know, the kids running around. They don't make food to eat it. No, it's mainly to dress the table. It's, I mean, piles, piles of food. And it's just there for show. And so, you know, we're still very much American and on with our time, even still, but they eat dinner into the wee hours of the night and then come to find out they have their, like, Christmas for the kids at midnight. So Pine Natal comes at midnight, so they, they turn off, the, all the kids have to go into a room. We, we were, no, I'm sorry, but I want, we were thinking we're just going to go there for a little bit, you know, have a little dinner, visit, it's great to see everyone, Merry Christmas. But like, oh, no, you're staying, like, Pine Natal's not come yet, Santa Claus hasn't come yet. Yeah, so the so as it gets closer to midnight, I'm kind of getting nervous because I don't. We brought a few little gifts for them, like you know, wine, simple gifts, and um, but I didn't have anything for our children, and so I'm like, well, how's this going to work? So they they send the kids into a room, um, they turn off the lights, they have these little jingle bells, and that's when Pai Natal comes. And when they turn the lights back on, the kids come out and there are, you know, a pile of presents for each kid and their shoe marking like which pile belongs to them. And so when the lights came on, there's all these different piles and they had one for each of our girls. And like a substantial pile. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been there for three weeks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Um, we have more, there are more stories. We, the realtor, we, but, and the, you're, you have a coworker in Eastern Europe that you prayed with the other day after he's, he works for you after a one-on-one -on -one because he found out that he's working in an English camp that is really an evangelistic English camp because the guy's a Christian. And um, there are a few more stories, but we're out of time for him. Um, you and I, so you and I were talking just this morning, and it, it was a good way to summarize this. What was your plan? What was your life, what did your, your idea of what you planned for your life look like in, let's say, January of 2017? <laughs> like, how did you fast, like, what things looked like for you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have it 100% planned out, but, I mean, I really thought that we would keep our house. We'd maybe get a house in the mountains because we love it there. And I've told the girls, I said, I'll, I'll pay for you to go to college as long as you pick an in-state school. And so, it was, you know, we kind of kidded, well, like, you know, one will go to App, one will go to State, maybe one go to Wilmington, and we kind of can cover the whole North Carolina. Um, so I had no and in, zero intention that we wouldn't be here, and, you know, Regan wouldn't be standing up here just like Michael and sending her off. Yeah. Good plan, right? That's a good plan. Whose plan was it? <laughs> What's your plan now? I have no plan. I mean, people in Portugal will ask us, so how long are you staying? And I have no way to answer them. People here will say, when are you coming back? And I, like, I literally have no way to answer them. How will you find that out? When it happens, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing that this move has taught us, 
um, well, I mean, gosh, there's so many things, but yeah, I think you, you try so hard until you just give into obedience and faith, you know, to kind of plan your life out and have this grand master plan of, you know, your retirement and this, that, and the other. And in some ways, maybe it sounds a little irresponsible to not have a plan, but I think that's definitely something that we've learned is like God's called us, you know, to Portugal. We have no idea where he's going to call us next. And so we're not, you know, we're not saying we're never moving again. You know, it's kind of like, all right, you call us to Asia, we got to be obedient. You know, like it's his plan is so far greater than ours that, yeah, it's good. It's good to kind of have a, you know, a lay of the land and, but, but at the same time, his plan's ultimately greater. And w- I think we found that the more put together our personal plans are, the more he's, he's ready to just scratch that and, and you know, have, him pers- have us pursue his plan. And that's where we need to be. Yeah. Um, that's what we found. Yeah. And my, um, the it's verse- liberating. Pardon me? It's liberating. It's liberating. Yeah. And how so? Because I think when you keep your eyes and your ears and your heart open to what God's calling you to do and you maintain that level of obedience and faith in him, the, the decisions are made. And, and he's going to affirm, you know, that you've made the right decision because you've listened to what he's calling you to do as opposed to what may be more worldly in our view. Um, yeah, I think you'll always to an extent question whether or not it was God calling you that direction or not. But, I mean, this has been pretty clear all along and I think the more that we we take that leap of faith the more that we follow that path the easier it gets you know because I'm hearing God a little bit clearly you know more clearly than I was years ago Um, and I'm just kind of leaning into that and it's much easier to make decisions when they're not yours it's like Hmm. this this is presented to you we're going to pray about that what's God how's God calling you Lisa how is he calling me it's pretty clear this is where we're going. So those decisions are much easier as opposed to having these wonderful grand master plans of our own and them consistently being <laughs> broken yeah. down and saying, no, that's not it. This is what you're going to do. That makes a ton of sense. And the, the verse that I read earlier about um, if anyone would follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That's kind of what that is, um, you know, um, and it, it's been helpful, this, these conversations have been helpful for me to process the grief that I'm still in over you guys leaving. Kendall and I were in a, uh, a journey group for years, and I saw this coming for a while. I'm like, maybe it's just a test. <laughs> um, I remember Amsterdam and when that fell through and, and um, all this stuff, but in the big picture of things, like this is what makes sense uh, as your friend and your pastor to see like being in a rut where you do have a plan, and if you're an Enneagram person, they're both Enneagram ones together, which is crazy. And uh, so they have a plan. They have all sorts of plans that God would shake those loose and bring you to a point. And what, what that, like we had, a, we had a plan. It was a really good plan. It was a godly plan. It was a Dave Ramsey plan, you know. Um, but God had a different plan, and part of that plan was that we have no plan. And we are just constantly seeking him for his plan is, and that probably means something different to everyone here, and hopefully God's speaking um, to everyone here in a different way about that. But I think there's some clarity in that of, like, part of what he has done and he is doing. So I'm going to pray for you guys, 
and um, but I'm really glad that we had a chance to catch everybody up and for folks that don't know you to catch them through just on what God's doing. So, Father, I'm grateful for Lisa and Kendall and um, for you bringing them here 15 years ago, almost 14 years ago, and uh, for the for the. Um, for the power of the cross, for the power of the gospel, for the power of your Holy Spirit in their lives, for um, the power of the church, Lord, uh, this, this church, and how you've used this church and their church in uh, Portugal, and just the church is a great idea, Lord, and when it works well, um, it, you use it to change people's lives and, and weave us together, and we're grateful um, for that, Lord. I thank you for um, the way that you called them for their obedience to to live that out um, and for for how you're revealing yourself to them in that I pray for the ministry that you have for them in Portugal for their church uh, for their girls Lord that your blessing would be on them and that you would use them to bring glory to yourself and I pray this in Jesus name